Hey guys, we are so excited that you're here. Welcome to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. I'm Kara Goss, online registered dietitian and health and fitness coach. And I'm Kylie Kaiser, online health and fitness coach, and we're your hosts. This podcast is all about improving yourself physically and mentally. And y'all, neither of those things can be improved with a quick fix. We are here to be real with you about your fitness and fat loss goals, your health, your mindset, and everything in between. If you're ready to open your mind to the process that self-improvement requires, instead of always looking for the next quick fix, then this is your podcast. Let's get started. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. It's your girls, Kara and Kylie here, and we have some very special guests with us today. These are two men that Kylie and I have followed for a very long time. And I just have to say that it's so funny to me because like Will was one of those first people who really got me into like, you know, just like the functional side of things and really sustainable fat loss. I remember watching your videos back in like 2015 when I was doing cardio and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm doing too much cardio. All those different things that you start (laughs) to realize. Um, but we have Will Grazione and Gillis Pellegrin here. So welcome you guys. We would love for you to introduce yourselves and just, you know, tell us who you are, how you got here and you know, what you guys are all about. All right. Well, coach Gillis, you're going first, brother. You're going to put it on me. Okay, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, I'm uh, Coach Gillis Pellegrin, work with the Educated Dieter, um, specifically take some of the cases, more of the hormonal, um, you know, complexities for most women. Again, a lot, a lot of our, our coaching um, clientele does have a lot of those more female dominant stuff. So usually kind of work with that. Um, my background is in nutrition and exercise. Uh, some of my experiences, I've worked in uh, clinical nutrition specifically. Um, what about, I think before William and I started working together, I was probably doing that for about four or five years, mm-hmm. more in patient care side of things, specifically working with hormone dysfunction with both um, sex hormones and thyroid uh, dysfunction. Love that. Love that. And Um, Gillis is somebody who has been really mentoring me over these, you know, last few months since I signed up with you guys for advanced coaching systems. That was back in, that was like last December. So I can't believe we've been working together for a year. So you guys have just taught me so much and like the biweekly calls with Gillis have been so freaking helpful. So it's been awesome. Well, that makes me smile quite a bit. Um, (laughs) Heck yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously I saw so much potential in Gillis when him and I were training partners back at powerhouse gym athletic club. Um, and I would just start talking about things and then he'd start talking about the intricacies of hormone dysfunction. And I'm like, dude, what are you saying, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just knew that there needed to be a space and an opportunity for him to be able to shine his light in the world. So I'm very, very blessed and grateful to be able to see him doing that for so many, um, especially amazing coaches just like you, Kara. So uh, a little bit about us, I guess. Uh, my name is William Grazione. I'm the owner of The Educated Dieter. I uh, started nutrition coaching in 2000 and. 10, 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. Um, and so far, you know, it's, it's taken its uh, different curves. And I started out as a competition prep coach, realized that a lot of time in competition prep athletics, people are overlooking hormone dysfunction. Um, I just happened to be working with a lot of women back then, probably about 75% women. And I noticed that a lot of the cases that I wasn't willing to give up on a lot of my uh, associates at the time, they were kind of just willing to give up on those types of cases. Cause it's like, it's outside my scope. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's not something that I focus on calories in calories out. And that's all that matters. Uh, but the reality of the matter was that I realized in about 2017, 2018, I wanted to be a part of the solution. I didn't want to be a part of the problem anymore. Um, And so this is really when I started to dive into, you know, female fat loss and started dieting women a bit differently than I was dieting men. And I think ultimately, you know, um, being able to tell a client, hey, I don't think this is the right thing for you right now, really started to pave its way in the industry, because I noticed that a lot more people started doing the same thing, especially with women that maybe they had a bit more adipose tissue on their bodies. And we were trying to push them, we were trying to get them down to stage lean, that was their goal, they wanted to turn pro. And ultimately realizing, hey, we're already down to this many calories doing this much exercise and you still got 15 pounds of fat to lose. I'm not the guy to do it. There's a line in the sand. The other like on my side is health. On that side is hormone problems. 
Mm -hmm. I'm not going to cross the line. So you can decide whether or not you want to continue to be coached by me or you want to go hire somebody else. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how we ended up in this position we're in now, where we do service a lot of like functional nutrition clients um, mm -hmm. that ultimately come from a background of having a coach <laughs> that didn't care about their health to the point where they're actually physically ready or psych psychologically or from an educational perspective, willing to actually do something about it, put one foot in front of the other and actually try to make a statement in the industry. So that's where we are. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a huge blessing, uh, when we basically killed my ego and the uh, what was formerly known as metabolic evolution, uh, killed that. And we created the educated dieter. And ever since we created the educated dieter, we've been able to help so many more people. Um, and I'm just so blessed to be able to have an amazing team. So that's where we are right now, 2021. Um, and you know, obviously with, um, advanced coaching systems, now we have the opportunity to impact amazing people just like you, Kara. So, um, <laughs> by helping coaches, we're able to impact more people in the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you yeah. impact 20 coaches and each coach has 30 clients, you do the math. Yeah. Like you're making, yeah. you're making global change. So Love I that. appreciate you having us on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy too, that you mentioned metabolic evolution. I remember <laughs> when it was named that and I'm like, yeah. that just like unlocked a deep memory in my mind. I'm like, <laughs> Dude, oh my it was, it was all pro cards and world titles back in the day. You know, that was all it was. Uh, oh me standing God, yeah. in front of the whiteboard in my garage, just creating all the videos. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's just so important because especially a lot of the population that most, especially like newer coaches or just coaches that work with the gen pop, I don't think that there's a, like, I feel like it's changing now, but you were more in the minority to have that kind of focus, right. To be bring attention to these kind of things. And I always feel, we talk about this before, but like, I feel like there's this shift towards this more like functional health side, but I'm like, is that just because of the people like I'm choosing to follow, <laughs> but <laughs> it does, it feels like it's being talked about more. And I think that's really important because it's definitely something when I got started with this, that I didn't have enough information about that. I'm still always trying to learn about. And my lens into it for a long time was just because I was a competitor. And so like through that lens, and even that doesn't translate quite the same to, you know, just the average woman that comes to us with a lot of these adaptations happening. And Kara's taught me so much about that just through our friendship and our, you know, I don't know, work partnership, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, we, yeah. we like to pretend we're in business together. So we just did the podcast. <laughs> so we had a reason to say that we yeah. are. Um, but a lot of that, I know she often has referred to work she's done with the two of you. So I was super excited that we got to have you guys on here. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. interesting. You'll actually start to see like, if you look back at where a lot of this stuff originated, a lot of it, any, I mean, there's functional medicine practitioners, mm -hmm. there's the, the Institute of Functional Medicine, a lot of different companies that specialize in this, but seeing it actually be converted to the contest prep side, like nobody pushes people harder than the contest prep side pushes people. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's why a lot of people's eyes started to open up because things weren't happening the way that we thought they were supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, and honestly, when I think back to some of these specific cases, like the ones that the ones that I couldn't help back then, because I didn't have the knowledge, those are the ones I still think about now. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. You, know? and you lie awake able... at night thinking about yeah. them. <laughs> yep. And to be able to have the knowledge and education that we have now, like, man, I wish I could go back and help those people that I couldn't help at the yeah. time. But now, mm -hmm. you know, obviously that's the that's the growth and the evolution of an online coach. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. have to continuously keep showing up. Uh, we actually just talked about this today on the podcast, but so many personal trainers and nutrition coaches, they get one cert and they stop yeah. and they think I know everything now. There's nothing else to do. Right. Yeah. But the personal development growth and the personal development journey is what keeps us moving forward. Like the yeah. more, you know, the more people you can help. And so exactly. I think that's something that's very important for the listeners to understand too, is like always be hungry. Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you should be investing a specific amount of your income into your education every year. Yeah. I'm a specific believer that you should be investing so much time of your day into education every day. And as a direct side effect of that, you never stop growing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I know Kara and I usually have to like chill out a little bit about buying certifications actually. So <laughs> I'm like, they, they can be expensive. Yeah. Well, and then they just like, I'm like, I can't reasonably work through six of these at one time. Like, what am I doing? But you're like, I can't miss it. So yeah. Take it to, one at a time, ladies. That. Take it one at a time, ladies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I think that is, that is really good to bring up. And I think it's really encouraging for just 
like us as coaches, but really any other coaches that we have that do listen to this too, to hear from people who now like mentor other coaches and know that you also once had a point in time where there's like clients that you're like, I probably didn't do what they needed. And cause I definitely think about that too. And especially with like, I know when I started personal training, I, you know, I was personal training in a gym with just like my like PT sir. And I was like, this did nothing as far as like nutrition or knowing what these people actually need. And like, you're kind of just like winging it a little bit. And then I have the same thought sometimes I'm like, man, I should just like reach out back out to some of those clients and be like, can we do this again? Like, I'll, I'll just help you. Start over. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Oh my God. Well, honestly, you guys, so we're super excited to just kind of dive deep into things today. And honestly, like Will and Gillis, they have such a huge background, obviously, in like fat loss, hormones, all of that good stuff. And some of the biggest things we wanted to talk with you guys today is like about sustainable fat loss and a lot of like the most common kind of fat loss mistakes that we see people making and just why this can be so freaking difficult for people these days. So I would love for you guys to get more into what are some of the most common issues today that you see or the most common mistakes that people are making with their fat loss journey and why do you think this is happening? Take it away, Gillis. I think one of the biggest things that we often see is that um, they're not ready to be in fat loss. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, when we have clients that really inquire to us as coaches, they never they they never come to us to hire us to bring their calories up, right? It's always in the mindset is I need to lose weight. I need to be in a fat loss phase. Mm -hmm. And so for us as coaches, there is a huge part of education in terms of not just like educating other coaches, but educating our clients to be better consumers, Mm -hmm. uh, knowing how to have better sustainable fat loss. And I think sometimes it's like before they like that is what is initially in their mind. But when we get on these calls and before we even decide to actually work with them to make sure they're a good fit, we need to really kind of make them have a little bit of a different vision, a little bit of a different perspective of how we're going to get to that goal ultimately and what lies ahead of them so that sometimes they need the client itself needs to take a step back to have a better opportunity to critically think in terms of what their journey is going to look like to make sure that us as coaches are in unison to their to the client in terms of the vision being on the same page for them absolutely man i love that i want to follow that up with a few things but definitely the lack of I guess it is a perspective, I think, in many cases, is people just think that they can dive right into a fat loss phase because they either they want to believe they're healthy enough to dive into it, but most of the time they're not. So I would say the number one thing that I see is people being way too aggressive straight out of the gate. I don't know when you guys are going to launch this podcast, but obviously the New Year's resolutioners are right around the corner, Mm -hmm. right? And oftentimes when people dive into that, they're going way too aggressive straight out of the gate. And what this does is it forces greater metabolic adaptation due to greater muscle loss at a faster Mm -hmm. rate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now the loss of muscle is directly correlated to metabolic rate. The, the amount you're eating is directly correlated to your basal metabolic rate. So when you eat more, guess what happens? Your metabolism goes up. You eat less, guess what happens? Your metabolism goes down, right? Um, the other thing I would say is that people dramatically underestimate how much they actually eat. Oh you know, God, now yeah. granted that there are a lot of apps now and stuff that can help people out and, and all types of things like that. And for the most part, I think that if you're a good coach, an evidence-based coach that really tries to create um, educational, you know, products or eBooks or guides or video content for your co- for your clients, you can put them in a really good position to know exactly what to do, right? Um, but if you just expect people to know what to do, you're committing suicide as a coach, yeah, right? So assuming is a suicide. I like to say, assuming your clients know everything, you're committing suicide because you have no idea. They have no idea. You're just like a tablespoon of peanut butter. So then they're going to take a spoon and they're going to scoop it out. And they're going to be like, here's my almond butter, but it's like 30 grams of fat instead of 16. Right. Um, I would say the other thing is when people start focusing solely on their output, versus their intake, Mm -hmm. right? So you may not make very many dietary changes, but they'll say, I'm going to go start running three miles a day every day until my legs fall off. 
But then they adapt faster to that because you guys know that you adapt faster to energy out activities than you would adapt to, you know, a dietary adjustment. So it just yep. as an example, if you're on 2000 calories, we decide to cut those down to 1500, 1600 or something mm -hmm. to create a calorie deficit, as long as the individual is healthy enough to go into this and they can make them insulin sensitive and they can start to oxidize body fat, right? They will respond better to that than they will by keeping their calories at 2000 and then going and running every yeah. day. Okay. Mm -hmm. So be mindful of that. Don't start with the things that you think are in your control, which is a bunch of cardio. Start with the thing that you think is hard. The thing mm -hmm. that's going to challenge you, which is your diet, it's tracking, it's knowing your numbers, right? Mm -hmm. But I also like to tell people all the time, you know, tracking macros is very similar to just having a budget. You know, we talk yes. about like finances and money all the time, right? It's like, if I have $2,000 to spend on a daily basis, that's all I can spend. That's it, right? So just as an example, if I decide to go out and eat at a restaurant and I have a 2000 calorie breakfast, which believe it or not, it's not that hard to do if you so get the easy. right omelet and the right pancakes. No. Uh -huh. you know? You're hitting that Denny's grand slam, you know, but then you're like, oh, <laughs> there you yeah. go. right. But then, you know, you're like, oh, screw it. You know, I'm just going to eat whatever I want for the rest of the day. And then mm -hmm. you end up that day having three or 4,000 calories that puts mm -hmm. you 2000 calories over on your budget. And then good luck trying to make that up for the rest of the week. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I would say focus on the diet first. Don't focus on the cardio first. Like the goal should be to do as little as possible mm -hmm. and still achieve the result. As far Absolutely. as exercise, cardio, neat, counting steps, you know, the calorie deficit, how much do I have to reduce in order to be in a deficit? The goal should be to do as little as possible. You want to make it easy on yourself. You want to avoid the stress that could come by saying, I'm cutting all my carbs out. I'm running three miles a day. I'm taking the diet pills and I'm going to Orange Theory F45 and <clears throat> CrossFit. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, then the other thing I would say is, is just the lack of planning. I think mm -hmm. that's the biggest fat loss mistake. Um, and Akira, you're in the female fat loss program, but mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> the problem that I see in the industry right now with coaches specifically, mm -hmm. not necessarily the client because the client's listening to the coach, mm -hmm. but it's the coach just giving them this arbitrary number of calories and macros and then having it never change. Right. Mm -hmm. They're not yep. planning for, I'm going to help you lose 20 pounds. And then after the loss of the 20 pounds, we have a strategy in place just for you to make sure that we can recover your metabolism and focus on your health. Yep. yep. Right. There's no strategy. It's you're mm -hmm. going to lose 20 pounds and then your, your, your program with me expires. Yep. See you later. You gain 25 pounds back. Then you're stuck in the same position you're already in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think nutrition <clears throat> coaches need to have a much better they need to have a much better view of the annual planning of the client over the course of 12 months, not the course mm -hmm. of 12 weeks, Yes, 12 months and say, this is a fat loss phase. Our goal right now is to mitigate metabolic adaptation, which we're going to talk about later on how to do that. Mm -hmm. It's to mitigate metabolic adaptation. It's to allow you to keep as much lean body mass as possible. It's to help you do as little amount of cardio as possible, but still help you achieve the result. Yeah. Right. And then after that's over with, now we need to go into a restoration phase for men and women to help make sure their hormones are balanced and they're healthy enough to start to build muscle. Yes, right. So and then true. that would take Absolutely. you into a building phase. And then you could just repeat that cycle over and over again, but it's lack of planning by <clears throat> coaches, um, mm -hmm. lack of the other things for clients. Yeah. Yeah. I think I that that's, yeah, that's, that's so true. And it's why for us, you know, I, I used to offer like shorter term contracts and things like that. And I, I did away with it because of mm -hmm. that. Like I was like, you know, I want you to be able to see every phase of this. It's going to be a lot easier for you to be able to replicate it. You can learn as you go. And I think that a lot of people don't understand that they're probably going to come into the setting and not really even be able to jump right to the fat loss phase anyways. So it's always my hope that, you know, they can learn that restoration phase off the bat and that way we can go through the fat loss. And then if they do choose to go by themselves, I'm like, okay, you've done these two things now. So now you have to just like kind of keep repeating that in order to keep yourself healthy and successful. But I don't think, I think that there, a lot of people are coming from coaches who haven't done that, or there's a lot of clients that are not aware that that's even something to look for, you know, like they are, they don't really think about the fact that even if something's quote worked for them before, like if you're keep, if you keep gaining and losing the same way over and over again, it's not really working for you. There was no exit strategy there. So I love that you brought attention to that just for a lot of our listeners who are kind of frustrated when they 
you know, are in that cycle or they are told like, Hey, we can't diet right now. And I'm, I'm so excited to dive deeper into why that happens too. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a difficult conversation to have with clients. Very difficult conversation when you have to tell them that, you know, I know you're coming to me for fat loss, but I Mm -hmm. am here to help you with your overall health, which will in turn get you to the goal that you want. But I know that's something that it's just so funny to me. Cause I think about when I first started out coaching, like, yes, I had a grasp on, you know, how to kind of plan for these phases, but not nearly as much as I do now. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it is something that, you know, you really grow and you learn from, and you understand that I think it's important for us to help our clients understand as well, that like even one dieting phase, like a lot of times, if you're somebody who has a big goal and you have like a lot of weight to lose, whatever it may be, one dieting phase probably isn't going to get you there, you know? And I think that's mm-hmm. another thing that's difficult for clients to wrap their head around is that crap, like I got to go through another reverse diet, another maintenance phase, another dieting phase and do this over and over again till I get to the end goal. It's like, yeah, you do, you know? Yeah. It's like, we've so, been doing this a long time. For right? ourselves. Yeah. Like I've been at this for four and a half years and I'm still not where I want to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. It's crazy. It is. Yeah. I think also like for, for like newer coaches, like as you become, like, as you grow with just experience of being a coach, you realize that, you know, some of the newer coaches that are in the industry, they're more so molding the way they coach a, um, a client Mm -hmm. based off of what the client wants, but not necessarily what the client needs. And I think as you grow as a coach, Mm -hmm. you start realizing how that, is not really working in their favor or your favor, right? And I think some of the newer coaches, this is some questions that I've gotten for some newer coaches too, is that whenever they're, for example, maybe the client signed up for three months, right? Mm -hmm. As their time is approaching in, they start feeling anxiety and pressure Mm -hmm. because they're feeling almost to the point as like, well, what else can I offer the client? So they they resign, yeah. Exactly. They were, they were signed. So they're really kind of conforming to the point of like, it's almost what the client is wanting to hear and not necessarily giving them what they actually need to hear and kind of like, look, it's in your hands. This is just what it is. This is the blueprint and what needs to be laid out for you. Mm -hmm. If you're really committed to make long-term change, I'm not going to deviate from that plan because this is what you absolutely need. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I second that that. Um, (laughs) I think, uh, you know, when you're starting out as a new coach or if you're a type a client, so Mm -hmm. let's talk about the type a client first, Mm -hmm. right? They oftentimes will use pressure, uh, to get their way. Right. Yes. You think about maybe like type a, she's very, very goal driven, very dominant in many of the relationships she's in things like that. So she'll kind of use that force to get her way. Um, and honestly, when you're starting out with a brand new coach, if it's a woman, you know, or it's, or it's a guy, they will use that force to try to get what they want. Because Mm -hmm. if you're soft as a coach and you're not firmly willing to stand behind what you truly believe in, then guess who becomes the coach? The client. Yeah. The client becomes the coach because you're too soft, right? So you really have to know what you need to know and you have to put your foot down and say, I'm the coach. I know what's best, (laughs) right? If I went, I just got off a call with a, with a lending company, right? We're going to be moving next, next year and stuff, right? If I came on there and tried to persuade my lender to like get, you know, like (laughs) that's not my job. That's not, he's, he's the guy in charge. I paid him. Let's go ahead and let him be in control. Um, I think from a type a personality type of client, we have to be able to let the client, let the coach navigate the way. But I also think if you are a type a type of client that it's okay to try to press the coach a little bit, because Mm -hmm. then you can learn if they're soft or not, then you can learn if they're actually confident. I cannot tell you when I used to fly out to Los Angeles for a previous company I was associated with, you know, and you had all these coaches in a room, right? And they would say, but Will, like, what do you do when the client's really pressing you to go into a diet and, and all this? I said, who's the coach? <laughs> You're the coach. I mean, could you imagine playing football growing up and trying to tell your coach that they're coaching you wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. never. Like, yeah. They would have came across the top of your helmet with keys and, (laughs) you know, but 
you would never do that. Right. So I think it's important for coaches to just have that confidence to be able to mm -hmm. navigate. And honestly, mm -hmm. with those types of people that are very, like, they're very driven, very give me what I want type of personalities, the more in control you are, the better they will start to just follow what you have in place for them, especially when you start to show them, you know, that what they wanted, it actually is starting to manifest itself. Right. Right. Yep, yeah, I totally agree with that. And honestly, that's something that I struggled with for a long time. And like yeah. something I still like, there are still moments where I'm like, oh, like the, you know, the feminine urge to just people please, <laughs> right? And just like be be a little bit more soft and give people what they want. But yeah. the reality of it is I found so much more success and so much more trust in my yeah. clients when I yeah. say, absolutely not, you know, this is the route that we're going. And this is what I know is best for you and your health right now, yeah. you know? And again, like they start to respect you more because then they're learning what's going to be best for them in the long run as well. You know? Yeah. yeah. I would even say if you, if you are a coach, um, work with a hard client mm -hmm. Yeah, just absolutely. to get the experience. Like mm -hmm. I remember sure. early on, I think it was 2011 or 12, maybe, I worked with a gentleman that competed in Ironman and this dude was an Ironman. Like he was, <laughs> he was a, he, he owned a huge uh, law firm. So he was the head lawyer at this law firm. Mm -hmm. You know, every time I met up with him, he'd come speeding around the corner in his drop top Porsche, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, good, like dressed to the T like perfect. Everything, just everything about the guy was top notch. Right. And he would sit down with me and he'd try to persuade me out of stuff. I'm like, look, dude, no. Mm -hmm. it, ain't, it just ain't going to happen. Like this yep. is you're showing up in court. You're going to lose this battle. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I think some people just need to work with somebody like that because mm -hmm. unless you get the experience, you're going to be a pushover. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I had the experience of working with somebody that I had to say no to all the time. And honestly, it empowered me. Yeah. It empowered me to say, if I can say no to him, I can pretty mm -hmm. much say no to anybody. Yeah. Now, yeah. when you know better from the female dieting perspective, because all women want to lose body fat, mm -hmm. uh, my perspective on that is to work with somebody that you genuinely love, mm -hmm. yeah. that you care mm -hmm. so deeply about, you know, like their health is your top priority. Definitely. And also you have to put yourself in a position to be educated enough to know what's right versus what's wrong, right? But work yeah. with somebody you genuinely love because from that point moving forward, try to treat people the same way you treat your sister or yep. your cousin yeah. or yep. somebody yep. like that. I right? do coach my sister as well. There you go. Yep. And I've had to tell her, yeah. you know, multiple times, like, Hey, we can't go into a dieting phase. And guess what? When we did. Mm -hmm. And when we dieted her for her wedding, she felt freaking amazing. And we got the yeah. results we wanted in a healthy you way, go. you know, yeah. yeah. that, that perspective shift, I think really changed a lot for me because I definitely struggled. I mean, just like Kara was saying, when I first started out with kind of having those like boundaries and confidence and not being pushed over. And especially because I have, I'm like a, a very highly empathetic person. So if they're kind of like unloading on me, like why they need this or like what event they have, it was like really hard for me to not be like, Oh, we'll figure it out. And I kind of had to shift that to be like, okay, well, what if my empathy is instead centered around the fact that like, I care so much about your health. And like, I refuse to like put you through this you know, put you in this position that's going to worsen the situation for you and kind of having to like turn that around in my own brain. So I didn't like feel mm -hmm. guilty and instead was like, no, I would feel guilty if I let you have this actually, like you might be mad at me for a little bit, but in the long term, you're going to thank me. Right. So, and again, yes, coaching. I also had coached my sister before. It's definitely coaching, <laughs> coaching people that close to you is an experience. Cause they're not afraid to tell you anything. Like they're like, exactly. No, screw you. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think <laughs> Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. I, I was just going to say as a coach, I think it's valuable yeah. um, that you approach every problem from a place of love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As long as you approach the problem with a place of love, you can't be mad at me. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. you can, if we're having a conversation and I'm talking to you so peacefully, so calm, and you're starting to get frustrated. Mm -hmm. If I talk to you just like this, there's only so many screams you can ish out before you eventually <laughs> calm down. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So just approach everything from a position of love. It's not a, it's not a, you know, you versus them type of thing. It's a, I know what's best for you. You don't know what's best for you, but you're going to have to trust me. Yeah. yeah. I always explain to clients too, that I'm like, why would I, why would I make this, you do this if it wasn't for your benefit? Right. Like if you, if you just think of it from like a, like outsider 
marketing perspective, if I could have clients always dieting down and losing all their fat and throw those uh, transformations up 24 yeah. seven, like that would only help me. So like, if I thought that you could achieve that by us doing this, why would I not let you do it? Like there's no yeah. selfish gain here. Like this is a hundred percent for you. And I've, I've had this conversation before and they're usually like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Super good point for sure. For sure. I think that you know, Kylie, something that you said, um, previously just about like us not wanting to take them into a place that's going to harm their health even worse and like make it even worse. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be kind of a good place to transition into kind of discussing just like, what are the factors that are most commonly impacting, you know, that inability to lose fat or when a client comes to you, like, why are they unable to go through a fat loss phase right away? And what are kind of the things that you guys look for to determine, okay, they are ready for fat loss versus they're not ready. Look, man, let's hear it, bro. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing would be looking at thyroid function because a lot of times what gets them in trouble where they're not prepared to go into a fat loss is because of what's transpired over the course of time prior to coming to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's excessive amounts of movement, excessive, like trying to like kind of what we talked about earlier on is you're essentially eating very low calorie and you're doing tons of output. Right. And that excessive amount of cardio or output in general is going to cause some impacts in terms of thyroid function. And so when I see somebody like that, you know, I usually recommend looking at a lab panel, looking at thyroid function to make sure, Hey, look, you have the green light. You're, you're in a good position to go into fat loss, or if they're even borderline, I usually have that honest conversation with them. And I'm like, look, we can attempt it, but there's a high probability that there's going to be some adaptation that might occur before you get to your goal. And when that happens, you're going to be frustrated. And guess what? Like, it's going to be a hard conversation to say, look, we should have never gone in this. So it's always not to put them in that position anyways. So, but a lot of times it's usually like internal things that are going on that they have absolutely no idea about Mm -hmm. that's actually taking, that's happening. For sure. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that a little bit. So the, (laughs) the thyroid issue, right? Like why are so many people in this position where they have hypothyroidism now? Um, Mm -hmm. I think the last 20 years is to blame for this, honestly, because it's, it is diet culture. It's a, it's an unfair pressure that women have on them to look a certain way, to always be eating little, to remain small, to Mm -hmm. not make big waves, you know, Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. like that. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I think what's to blame is the elimination of the carbohydrate from the diet. My God, right? yes. So you have prolonged periods of extremely low carbohydrate intake for periods of time so long, and it doesn't take much time at all, believe it or not, but you have long periods of low carbohydrate intake that therefore negatively influence leptin, which regulates um, your energy balance. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. even over the course of four days, there's actually research that shows that there's a 50% reduction in leptin over four days of fasting in women, Mm -hmm. right? So if you take that into consideration, you could dramatically decrease your your availability to produce T3, your metabolically active hormone, right? And so even if you're doing that for four or five days, guess what? You just sliced your ability to oxidize fat in half. Mm-hmm. less right? than a week, <laughs> less, less yeah. than a week, That's but, wild. You, but you have people mm-hmm. that will cut their carbs for three months, mm-hmm. you know, four for months, years. five months, six months, yeah. right. For, for a very long time until they decide that they're tired of suffering. And then they go eat a con- whole entire tainer, container of ice cream or yeah. a pie, a pumpkin pie, apple pie, whatever they like. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, in my opinion, that's the culprit is the fact that most, so many women, reduced the macronutrient that in many cases is responsible for kind of keeping them calmer, keeping them mellow, right? Carbohydrate intake helps to balance serotonin levels, right? And if we don't have that, you start to become more adapted to start to take on more stressors. When you start to take on more stressors, this negatively impacts the female hormones that make you a woman, right? Estrogen Mm -hmm. and progesterone. 
lot of people oftentimes wonder, how does this estrogen dominance thing happen? It's because mm-hmm. you're rock bottoming your progesterone, your calming yep. hormone. So if you overstress the system, progesterone starts to drop at a very dramatic rate. And then that's how you become estrogen dominant. So estrogen mm-hmm. could stay at 150, let's just say, if you're looking mm-hmm. at labs, but progesterone could go from a 15, 16 down to a two in 12, 12 weeks. But if you're not tracking that, you would have no idea you've gone estrogen dominant. And that's actually making it a lot harder for you to continuously oxidize body fat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to bring that up because I think it's something that's very important, um, so important. through some through some of our own like anecdotal re- like re- research, I guess, independent case studies that we do here yep. uh, amongst our clients. I've actually seen women go from 15 progesterones to two in 12 weeks. Oh, yeah. Been working with me mm-hmm. to do everything as right as I can do it, do mm-hmm. as little as possible, everything. I've seen that type of that type of drop. Now, if somebody wasn't me and they didn't know any better, if I would have pushed her five, six months what do you think would have happened when progesterone gets down to a 0.5 and then that starts to negatively impact follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone yeah. it leads to a spotty cycle, then leads to no cycle at all. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, and so at 12 weeks, I was like, I already had this whole idea for the whole case study created when, before mm-hmm. I even started with her, right. We had bloods done, dieted her the best I could. We repeated everything was on the same date, same everything as perfect as it could have been. And then I gave her a one month the diet break. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly enough, over the one month diet break, again, I, I pulled training back, took cardio away, added in supplementation, made sure that she was sleeping well. I even think we pulled caffeine down to like less than 150 to 200 milligrams a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and her progesterone is actually able to go back up to, I think it was like a 10, 11, right? Wow. Over, over the course of one month of using a very well thought out diet break. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say that's normal. Uh, Mm -hmm. because I've seen it take longer, but I think it's predicated on your diet history leading up to that point, right? Like this gal didn't have a very extensive dieting history. And so to push progesterone down for that 12 weeks, I think it was able to come back quicker because the body didn't remember all the diets from 14, 15, 16, 17, and her whole life of dieting. So it was able to recover faster. Yeah. Um, but gals that I think have a very extensive dieting history, I don't think it's going to come back as fast. Uh, there have been some cases that we've done here in the office that, you know, to get them from a two up to an eight, sometimes it can take a few months, like two or three months, Yeah. you know? Um, but that would be what I would say the most common factors that impact fat loss, especially for women is not being in control of progesterone and pushing way too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think pushing way too hard leads to the, I suppose it leads to you needing to rely on stimulants to get through your day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you're not only drinking a couple cups of coffee in the morning, but now we're reaching for a monster at noon. And then mm-hmm. we're also getting off work at five o'clock you know, downing two scoops of pre-workout, walking into the gym, crushing it with like squats and deadlifts and all the hard stuff. And then Mm -hmm. you don't get out of the gym till seven o'clock and you're trying to go to bed by 10. (laughs) Not happening. Just ain't going to happen. That used to be Uh, me. I was was about to say, I've been there. Yeah, we all probably have. Yeah. Yeah. um, You know, we could also talk about the the impact of sleep on these things as well. So there's a a research study that compared or directly compared. And it was only a a, a two week diet phase. Um, And the research study basically showed that the individuals that got eight and a half hours of sleep versus the individuals that got five and a half hours of sleep, the individuals that had um, five and a half hours of sleep lost more lean body mass by 60%. So it was actually 2.4 kilos lost in the 5.5 hour group versus 1.5 kilos lost in the eight and a half hour group. Mm -hmm. And then um, they also compared how much fat they lost from fat. Um, And uh, the group that had five and a half hours of sleep only lost 0.6 kilos of fat, whereas the group that had eight and a half hours of sleep lost 1.4 kilos of fat. Mm hmm. So just yeah. think about that in terms of how important sleep is. A lot of people, they're stimmed out all day. They're just mm-hmm. reaching for the next dopamine hit with their cell phones and they have all this stuff going on, but they can't put themselves to sleep at night. Probably one yeah. of the biggest things that we're seeing right now is women that inquire about our coaching services. We get a little hunch that they might need to complete an MSQ. And sometimes mm-hmm. even now, I don't even guess. I'm just like, you need to complete an MSQ, which is the metabolic stress questionnaire, mm-hmm. just to see 
are you a functional case or are you healthy enough to go into a fat loss phase? Mm -hmm. And so many of them will say their sleep is terrible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's something William and I has talked about recently, just about like, how do we navigate them into being quote unquote, like just exactly what we're talking about, right? At what point are they ready for a fat loss phase or what, what point do we need to put them into more of a functional position to improve and recovery phase first? And so mm -hmm. that's why we've actually started utilizing that MSQ specifically for that so that we, we can guide them. And we're not finding out that two months into coaching them, like, look, you got some internal things going on. You're actually not prepared to be in a fat loss. We need to, we need yeah. to backpedal. So we're trying to catch these things in a very early, you know, early stages based off of that. And I think yep. using an MSQ is a really, really good safety net that I think any coach should use to, for one, like, look, if you're not in the scope of being a functional nutrition person to be able to help these people, then you should also be humble enough to say, Hey, look, you have a lot of complexities that might be out of the scope of what I can help you with. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Being able to say, I don't know. And being able to refer, refer out is the most respectable thing as a coach. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's the most empowering thing. Like yeah. I have had so, I mean, I won't say so many, but I've had definitely had a handful of people come to me, you know, in the last two, two, two to two and a half years of me coaching and being like, Hey, like I have this, this, and this going on. And like at that time, or even like recently I've, I've been like, Hey, like I know that with where I'm at right now, like I could definitely get you to a better place than you're in now, but ultimately I'm not going to be that end person who gets you exactly where you need to be. So let me refer you out to somebody else. Yeah, and like absolutely. the amount of people who have been like, wow, really? Like, I'm really happy that you didn't like take me on. Like it's sad because mm -hmm. there are coaches out there who will just take on anyone. And I think yeah. that a lot of people get surprised by that when you say, Hey, like, I don't want your money. You can go to somebody else, you know? For sure. And I think there's so much power as a coach and being able to, even if you are working with a client and something comes up, like to be like, Hey, I don't know, but I'll find the answer for you. Or I'll find somebody who can help you. You know, like I'm, I think that's part of the benefit of having such a good circle and like being part of the coaching community and having kind of like that camaraderie instead of that competition based mindset is sure. there's all of us that can kind of reach out, whether it's mentors like you guys that we may have had, or it's just, you know, coaching friends like Kara that I can be like, Hey, will you like double check these labs for me and things like that to really mm -hmm. make sure that you're prioritizing the client over your ego. Like, I think that's another thing that really has surprised some of my clients sometimes as well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That ego thing is huge. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's why people don't refer people out is because they want to believe that they can help anybody. But the reality mm -hmm. is the only person that loses is the client. Yeah. So yeah. If you genuinely care about the client, you wouldn't have a problem referring them out to somebody. Like, I also think too, when you're starting out as a coach, you're oftentimes in a place of scarcity where you think your business is going to die at any, any yeah. time. Yeah. Right. And so you have to be able to transform your perspective to being more, you know, um, not in a place of scarcity scarcity but in a place of abundance where mm -hmm. you know when you're every call you take it's not the last call you're going to take to yeah. essentially sign somebody on um yeah. and i think that in order for you to be able to do that you have to know what you specialize in what you're good at and be humble enough to know when to say you're not the right fit mm -hmm. yeah. totally agree with that definitely well something else that you know really heavily ties into obviously so like not being able to go into fat loss, but then once we get into fat loss, obviously we want to make sure that we're going about that in a really smart and sustainable way. And I don't think mm -hmm. that people realize that there are ways to now, are we ever going to be able to completely stop the metabolism from adapting? No. Right. But we're going <laughs> to, we're going to be able to help it. We're going to be able to mitigate it a little bit. And mm -hmm. I think that it's really funny whenever I'm like taking a client, they're cut or whatever it may be. And I'll be like, all right, refeed diet break, whatever it may be. And they're like, Kara, we're like, we're losing a pound a week. Like, why are we increasing my calories? What is the point of this? And they just think you're insane because they think that all progress is lost. But in reality, we're just really, you know, we are optimizing that progress. So I'd love for you guys to go a bit more into this. It's funny because like one of the very first videos I watched of Will was about carb cycling. It was like carb cycling <laughs> one-on-one. I remember it was like the very first thing I learned about carb cycling. So that's just something I think it's also like, a really trendy thing now to talk about it like is. carb cycling, refeeds, diet breaks, all that stuff. So I'd love for you guys yeah. to break down the science behind it. 
I want to say that I wish that our audience could watch this whole video for the amount of times Will has like the power party pump. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's really making the episode for me. You can put it on YouTube if, if That's you it. want to. Put it we on need YouTube. to do that. We're working on it. We're working we on it. But yes. Um, yeah. So something that I'm very passionate about, I've been passionate about this for a long time and it starts with me being an athlete. So my whole life growing up, I played football, right? And in mm -hmm. football, we always had a quarter interrupt. There's four quarters in a game. And then we always had a halftime. When I started competing in bodybuilding, I asked myself, why the hell is, why is there no halftime in bodybuilding? Like, why mm -hmm. is there no halftime to prep? Right. Mm -hmm. Why is there no interrupt? Why is there no water break? Like you just are expected to floor it as hard as you possibly can the entire time. And so I did that because that's all I knew how to do for a prolonged period of time. And then at about 2013, 14, I started to use uh, back to back refeed days because I was experimenting with them on myself. Uh, and then 2015, I created, uh, I don't want to say I created it because I took a couple ideas and I crafted it and I made it something that became something later on. Um, but it was the, the diet break, but back then I didn't have a name for it. So it was mm -hmm. 2015 and I started to get athletes that were, you know, 10 weeks out and they're like, man, coach, I'm starting to feel run down. What can I do? And I said, well, let's, let's try the back-to-back -back refeed strategy. Let's go 48 hours. I'm going to, you know, double your carbs up and let, well, let's ride it out. They get two days and they're like, dude, I can't believe how much better I feel. I say, okay, let, let's run it three days mm -hmm. and let's run it four days. Mm -hmm. And before I knew it, I was running them seven days. And um, I started to do that with all of my competition prep athletes. So if they were prepping for 16 weeks or 18 weeks or whatever, I would always strategically put a two-week diet break in the middle mm. just so that they yep. could get the first half done, we could break them, and then we'd go into the second half. Yep. And what I noticed was that everybody that I had worked with prior to that, the same athletes were getting leaner on more food. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm like, all right, something's going on here, whether it be the carb cycle that I'm using from week to week or whether it be the diet break that I'm using. And something interesting also began to show itself. And it was the reality that people were stalling out right, right before we mm -hmm. get to their diet break. We'd give them their diet break and then I'd take their macros right back to where they stalled out and then they'd keep losing body fat at the same macros hmm. they were stalled out on. Yeah. So I'm like, obviously this is having some form of metabolic benefit, whether it yeah. be, you know, resetting cortisol, whether it be giving them the, the glucose that they needed to upregulate leptin and, you know, kind of fire up the thyroid again or whatever it is regardless, they could recover. I also noticed that water weight was coming off of these people. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes when you're under high amounts of stress, specifically in like the physique athletics world, you can start mm -hmm. to retain a lot of like fluid in your legs and your glutes yeah. and stuff all like that. Yeah. And so I noticed that when we were using diet breaks, there was so much good biofeedback coming from using them that I could not ignore it. And I remember sending out a uh, word doc. I said, fill this out before we do the diet break and then fill it out after we do the diet break. And I'd get them both back. It didn't even look like the same person completed them because right? I'm asking them, how's your sleep? How's your strength, sex drive, your mood, your energy and all that stuff. And then I'm comparing it to two weeks later. Um, mm -hmm. And about maybe six months after I started doing that, I was at uh, Dr. Lane Norton's uh, VIP camp at um, ASPI which was owned by uh, Dr. Jake Wilson at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was there <clears throat> and uh, Dr. Campbell came over to me and he started asking me about the multiple day refeeds and stuff like that and the things that I was doing. So we started talking about diet breaking and uh, it's pretty cool to see that like the research eventually came out on it, but this is a major strategy that can help a lot of people get leaner eating more calories. And I mm -hmm. think that when people hear refeeds versus diet breaks versus multiple day refeeds versus 72 hour refeeds versus maintenance phases, it's like, what's the difference between all these? Yeah. Things? So yep. I think it maybe we could, we could highlight each one of those. Definitely. Um, 24 hour that. refeed essentially just constitutes an increase in carbohydrate by about hundred percent for one day. Now, if you want to try to mitigate stress, you could give them an off day, maybe just have them get their steps in or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe try to sleep in or something like that. But the 24 hour refeed only refills muscular glycogen, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It doesn't actually have any benefit to hormone function. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the 48 hour refeed, it also refills muscle glycogen, but it can also help to towards the end of that time, start to stimulate things like luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone in females. Okay. Now it can also start to help to upregulate thyroid function or uh, hormone function. But the reason I say start to, and why I'm, I'm still an advocate of back-to-back refeeds, but if you really want to give it the oomph, three days or more. Mm -hmm. So three Mm -hmm. days, four days, five days, six days, seven days, these things can actually help to jumpstart the metabolism again, so that you can be, be able to oxidize body fat on calories that maybe you stalled out at before entering that diet break phase. Um, now, once we created kind of diet breaking and stuff like that, then I think there was the next phase, which was I started to get uh, contest prep athletes ready about uh, uh, three to four weeks ahead of time. And so then I would adjust them to a maintenance phase, which I classify as anything 14 days or longer. So we would increase their calories to maintenance. We'd ride that wave. And um, I think it's one of probably some of the first times I started doing that. Um, I had, I think that year we probably won like four or five overalls. And then I had a client win. Um, she won her pro card at NPC nationals and we did the same thing, but she actually got to eat at maintenance for six weeks before stepping on stage at nationals. And the amazing thing was, was she was saying, I don't even feel like I've dieted for like two months. Like this is insane to me. I can't believe I'm going to walk on stage after I just eat eight, 350 carbs. Right. (laughs) Um, and so that ended up happening and I'm like this, these are all amazing tools. Mm -hmm. Now, how do these play into this? strategizing and all this. That's why I wanted to create the female fat loss courses because I wanted to show people how to actually implement all this stuff in a manner that just allows it to make freaking sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say that for women, unless you have a high amount of adipose tissue, the single day refeed, probably not your best bet, probably be better to go with something more like a Mm -hmm. back-to-back. And then the other thing that you could consider would be trying to sync carbohydrate um, increases with your cycle. Mm-hmm. So you want to think about where are you like the most energy expensive? It's right before you have your period, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe increasing your calories by two, three hundred, you know, three, four days leading into your cycle, that would help a lot with your cravings. That would help a lot with that natural calorie deficit that's created because your body requires more energy during that time to produce the cycle, right? Oh. So maybe, maybe you take one week diet break and stack it right at the like three days before and three days during the cycle every month for a woman. Mm -hmm. And so those are a lot of the methods that we're utilizing right now. And I think, honestly, I think it's the future of what we're doing specifically working with women as hormones become more important. Yeah. I've utilized that same technique with some of my natural uh, females that are competing to kind of maintain their cycle throughout prep. Is mm-hmm. basically about 72 hours prior to their, you know, their uh, planned cycle. I'll put a re- I'll put a, a diet break for that week and essentially bringing their the stressor of being in a calorie deficit out. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that like about seven days. And then we go back into the fat loss for three, pro- approximately three weeks and then kind of, re- you know, kind of repeat that kind of wave. And it seems to le- like really help. It doesn't really stall their you know, their progress. And if anything, it helps performance tremendously too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen the benefit of implementing those refeeds and diet breaks. And I mean, even with myself, like with my own journey of getting my cycle back, like I have two, you know, plus 500 calorie days per week on top of my, you know, already higher calorie intake. And then like, whenever I'm going into my like follicular phase, luteal phase, I take a four day training break. So like I'm mitigating that stress, I'm adding on higher calories, you know what I mean? So, and definitely it's, it's definitely individualized for every single person, but it's just, it's, so freaking helpful. And I just, I want our clients to understand that, you know, it's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to fear and like freak out because I've definitely had clients who are like, I do I, is this something I have to do? Like I've literally had clients before where I've, you know, implemented like a refeed or whatever it may be. And I would look back at their, my fitness pal and it, it their, you know, calorie intake hadn't changed throughout the weekend. I said, Hey, like, what is happening with this refeed? And then they come back to me and they're like, Oh, I didn't realize I actually had to take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Well, y'all, I know that will has to hop off of here for a call. And I mean, honestly, I think we covered a ton. 
and yeah. this has been I'm so sorry. I uh I you're totally fine. To run. But that that last question explaining why a healthy body internally translates to healthy uh, externally. I think that would be a phenomenal question if you want to dive into that with with Gil, but I for do sure. got yeah. a jet. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to take a moment and just express some gratitude for the both of you. Um, yes. I really appreciate y'all's yeah. time. God bless everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Heck um, yeah. And uh please feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions, okay? Yes, we'll Thank make you sure so much. that we'll we, make sure, yeah, <laughs> we plug your information at the end. Thanks, Will. See ya. All right, Will. Awesome, awesome. That yeah. was that. That was that same wavelength. We we were yeah, on the yeah. same page. <laughs> oh, it's on the same wavelength. Honestly, yeah, I think that one of the biggest things that we kind of wanted to take away from this last question is like explaining to our audience and our clients why a healthy body you know functionally and internally does translate to an external physique that you're looking for you know yeah i think everything starts internally at some point right so i think the more you're you're able to kind of have a better understanding of what's taking place internally mm-hmm. it's going to allow for better sustainability of what they're ultimately trying to get right they come to yeah. us for the external the external side of things you know for that's sure. usually their ultimate goal. Um, but I think as long as you educate your clients and understand, have your clients understand the importance of a lot of these things, you know, and I think, you know, it's one of those things with diet culture, right? It's like you yeah. have diet culture and a lot of our gen pop clients, mm-hmm. they're really deep into the diet culture. They're heavily engaged into what they're seeing on social media, which almost 10 X is the pressure oh for God. women you know, as it is. And so we actually have to kind of almost rewire the way of thinking and to kind of help them understand that, look, you're only looking at people's highlights. You're only looking at end results. You're not seeing what takes place in the trenches. Okay. And I know William and I has talked about this a lot because we've had clients that have gotten labs and they were lean. These were Mm -hmm. lean females and the labs did not correlate to healthy at all. And so you know, what you see superficially doesn't always mean what's taking place internally. And so I think it's important for, you know, how the body internally translates to a healthy body externally Mm -hmm. is ultimately just making sure that for one, you should feel good. You should have natural energy where you're not so, um, dependent on stimulants, right? There's nothing wrong with drinking coffee, but if you're drinking 64 ounces of coffee Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make, to stay awake all day, that's a problem, you know? So yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I totally agree with that. And I think it's just, again, driving home that point of like a lean body does not always mean a healthy body. And oftentimes like the people who are taking care of their health and they're focusing on hormonal health, like you're going to see them have a bit more body fat on their, on their body. You know what I mean? And they're not going to be quote unquote, like the society's standard of beauty and that's okay. You know? Yeah. We've talked yeah. about that so much because I think so it's just much. such a, it's such a misconception and such a, a difficult thing, even from like a coaching perspective to go through those phases on your own and not have like the gen pop understand that and mm-hmm. feel like you need to be this like representation of lean when really we should be like healthy, right? Cause we're trying to create healthy clients. And I just, I, I can't stress the importance enough of us, like we're having this recurring conversation of like. <laughs> Yeah. Your, your six pack doesn't mean, you know, everything. And it also doesn't mean that you're healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think it also takes a lot of us to continue talking about this topic Mm -hmm. because I think the more like coaches like yourself are talking about this, people like myself and Will are talking about this. I think it's going to get out there more, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you looked and this is something that kind of resonated with me when you guys were talking earlier on was that, uh, well, William mentioned something of a lot of coaches kind of, they can operate sometimes of a place of scarcity. Well, yeah. I think if you look at that five, seven years ago, that was absolutely true. Everyone was very independent about themselves and really kind of that, but that's kind of turned, that's starting to turn too. And that's something mm-hmm. that, well, I've always had conversations behind the scenes with William and he's asked me recently is like, you know, um, we all look at like more of a vision going into the new year. Right. And like, what do we want to focus on? And that's something that I've been super passionate about is doing more of educating, doing more of the mentorships. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love my clients, but like William said, if I have one coach that has 20, 30 clients, I make a much bigger impact for me just being the only coach that has my only just 30, 30, 40 clients. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the more there's more of us talking about it, 
it it changes the industry for for the positive because we get more voices out there talking about some some things. Definitely, definitely, totally agree with that. Honestly, this was an awesome freaking conversation. I'm super happy with everything that we got to cover. And I think that this is going to be really valuable for not even just our audience and our clients, but also other coaches as well that mm. listen to the podcast. Cause I know that we have a few. Um, so I'm sad that Will isn't here to answer our very special question, <laughs> but Gillis, you can answer uh, our very special yeah, question. This is so what sad. Are <laughs> we are going to find out for, we're going to find out from Will and we're going to post it to our page because yes. it's super important. It. So one question we always ask all of our uh, guests is what is your favorite carbohydrate source? Hmm. Favorite carbohydrate source. It's a tough one. Yeah, it is, man. There's some good carbohydrate sources out there. (laughs) Um, It's probably going to sound super basic, but it's probably rice to be honest. Oh, you can't go wrong with some rice. You cannot. Is there a certain kind of rice? Like for me, I love sticky rice. So yeah. jasmine rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love like I love like sticky rice is really good, especially like mm-hmm. sushi rice, that type oh, of stuff. Oh yep. yeah, yep, yep. That's so really good. Right. See, I grew up in South Louisiana where yep. everything was eaten with rice, right? Yep, so, yep. Hey, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yep. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. Yeah. And then well, yeah, yes, our last question is just give us the shameless plug. If you can plug for Will too, you can, <laughs> but we'll put everything in the show notes. But where okay. can our audience find you? Um, specifically, you know, well, like I said, make sure they get linked up with Will as well, but what have you guys got going on? If there's anything you want to promote, this is just all shameless plug time. Okay. Um, we are, um, doing revisions for our advanced coaching systems course curriculum for coaches. Uh, that's going to be going live December 1st. So we're planning to do that. That's been kind of the revisions have been in the works for probably last three to four months to, Mm -hmm. um, really just kind of make it where, uh, coaches have practical applications to some of the concepts that we've discussed today. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the biggest thing that's coming down the pipeline for, mm-hmm. for, uh, both myself and William. Um, you can find me, you know, on Instagram, um, which is just Gillis at Gillis three, three, one. Um, you know what? I do not want to butcher Williams. I'm tr- wait, I'm looking <laughs> it up right now for y'all. Yeah, I was going to say, I was about to look. It's at William <laughs> underscore Grazione. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought so, but I didn't want to butcher that. Yeah. I feel like, oh, yeah. we can't find him. <laughs> we, we will link everything in the show notes for everybody for sure. too. Yeah. yeah. And then do you guys, you guys have a website as well? Is it just the educateddieter.com? Yeah. So it's okay. just the, the educated dieter.com. All right. Um, I know we have like free, like there's a couple of free items on there. And I know that awesome. I think down the pipeline, we're probably going to be doing more, I think items and things like that. Williams t- has been talking about. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You guys go check these two out again. Like I said, they have been huge mentors to me and just like very big guides in, you know, my journey of coaching and they're two extremely knowledgeable people. So thank you so much for being on here with us. We loved having you and y'all, if this episode resonated with you, if you know, you learned something today, go ahead, leave us a five-star rating and review, go ahead and tag myself, Kylie, Will and Gillis and not your quick fix podcast, share us on your stories. And I hope that y'all have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you next time.